Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Easter, The Solution, recorded Sunday, April 4th, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. I got a little bad news, but it turns out to be okay news, good news. Uh, a guy was on his way to this service today and, and, and he saw the Easter bunny hopping across the road and he wasn't able to stop. He hit the Easter bunny, flattened it. A basket of A's went flying everywhere. Well, he's a sensitive guy, and uh, so he pulled over to see what he could do. A colorful bunny just spurled out on the ground. Kids were hysterical. Dad, you killed the Easter bunny. You can imagine what they were thinking. Just felt horrible. Well, another driver witnessed the whole experience. She pulled over too, and guy said, ah, I feel terrible. What can I do? And she goes, don't worry about it. She walks over to the car, pops the trunk, pulls a can of something out of the trunk, comes over to the roadkill, sprays the, 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 the Easter bunny all over the pile, and miraculously, the bunny came back to life, picked up its basket and put the eggs back in, hopped down the road, stopped, turned, and waved. Kept hopping about 50 yards down the road, stopped, turned, and waved. Did that till, till it was out of sight. The guy said, wow, how, what in the world is in that, in that spray can? And she showed him the label, hairspray. Restores life to dead hair. Restores permanent wave. Taylor told me that would not go over. You guys loved it. Thank you very much. When you see Taylor afterwards, you say, hey, best joke ever. Just say that. We appreciate it. What is the most... Happy Easter, by the way. What is the most important, the most urgent question of our day? Some people would say it's the question of human rights and uh, social justice. That, that in this world, there's so much brokenness. And so because of, you know, racial hatred and, and because of economic inequality and because of, you know, all the other things that come with social disgrace, we just need to get those things fixed. And, and hey, no one's arguing with that. I, at least I'm not. Some people would say that the answer that we need to come up with is for environmental change. Because this world is broken environmentally. That's the, they'd say, if we can just address these serious issues of the environment, then, then it would save the world. Some people might say, in light of last year, that the greatest question of our day is world health. And, you know, who can argue with that? I mean, we need to take care of this virus and get it suppressed, get it, you know, get it eradicated so that we can go on with life as we hope that it can be. And, and obviously, all of those create a lot of, of, of concern, all those topics and more. And they're very serious things. But I would suggest to you that the greatest, the most fundamental issue, the most vibrant issue of my, our day, if we could answer this question correctly, that, that it would address things like nothing else would. As a matter of fact, I would say that the correct answer to the question, what's the most important issue of the day, is, and I think it would radically change humanity, it is the question of who is Jesus and what is Christianity? 
I submit that on this glorious Easter weekend, the, the question we need to answer is found in a Jesus who died, was buried, and rose from a grave on the third day. Now, now I get it. You know, some of you are like, what are you talking about? I mean, Christianity's been around for over 2,000 years now. If Christ and Christianity were the best hope of the world, why are we in the situation we're in? Where has this all failed? There's a famous quote by G.J. Justice, and he said this. I, I kind of agree with him. Christianity has not, been tried, has not been tried and not found wanting. It's been found difficult and not tried. I mean, the world, speaking generally, has not really tried Christianity Jesus style. I mean, to the extent that it could change the whole world. Uh, my, my belief is that he's really our only hope. Many of you feel that way too, that, that he is the hope for our families when they're broken. He's the hope for our communities when they're, when, when they're hurting. Jesus is the hope of our nation when it's disunified. And he's the hope of a world that can't seem to get along long enough to, to make real change in the big things of life. The risen Jesus is the hope at the border. He's the hope on our continent. He is the hope in the world. And because he lives, this is why I'm a Christian. Jesus is why I'm not currently out playing golf or at an Easter dinner or doing something else that might be just as important to me in other ways. Because for me, this is the most important place to be and the time to be there. It's the most urgent task in the world to let the world know about Jesus. That is why this church exists. That's why we use the tag love unlimited because Jesus is that to us. And I believe the most important question of our time and of all time is who is Jesus? And because of that, what is Christianity? But there's a lot of confusion, and I have to admit this, and we have to take some blame for it as Christians, about who God is and what God is doing, because there is confusion. And this confusion, both, both in the personal sense and in the corporate sense, then asks, makes the world ask questions about us. In the name of the church, in the name of Christianity, some pretty nasty things have happened over the course of the centuries. And people have sent a lot of bad messages out of what they call Christianity. And so that's important. But still, the great need of the world today is Jesus and his version of Christianity. His purpose for us, his purpose for the world has to be explored. Now, why, the, why Christianity? I mean, some people would say, well, the, the reason that Christianity exists is as a social movement. So over the centuries, people who are Christians have impacted the world for change, and there's no doubt about that, by the way. As a matter of fact, I think if you look historically at, at what Christianity has brought to the world, it's been, it's been far more good than harm. But caring Christians have sought social justice for centuries. We live in faith and we believe in God and so therefore we believe that he changes the most fundamental things about life. 
And he brings good news to people who, quite frankly, don't get a lot of it. People who are marginalized, the poor, the hurting, the widow and the orphan, as the scripture talks about, the broken. But did Jesus come to, to, be, to, to begin some social movement? I mean, is he, is he just the leader of a social, economic, justice-seeking reform movement? Is that it? Some people would say that Christianity is a philosophy of, of a, or a moral ethic of behavior. And so if we will all just change and be like Jesus teaches us to be, that's it. So Christianity exists to protect and promote the morals of Christ and to change our lives. And so because our lives will change to be more like what he teaches, we'll be better off, more fulfilled, happier people. Which, by the way, I believe. I believe when we follow the teachings and hopes of Jesus... It does change our lives. It makes our lives more complete. But is that it? I mean, did Jesus come merely to instill another person's version of what Gandhi did, for instance, or Buddha, or Oprah, you know, or Dr. Phil, or whoever else you follow? The reason I believe that this is the question for our time is because of what we're seeing unfold right before our eyes in this world. We live in a time when human solutions for life's biggest concerns are being elevated over God's solutions. And so what we have a lot of in our day is people say, this is what I think Jesus is. This is what I think Christianity is. This is what I think the church should be all about. But who is competent to decide what those things really should be? I mean, are you? Am I? I'm certainly not. Is it some government? Is it some social media movement? Is it, or, or do we go back to the source, to the one who rolled the stone away, so to speak, and find out from him? What is your understanding of what Christianity really is? I mean, if you really want a solution to the chaos of life, isn't it worth it to seriously look at where it all started? Jesus, my contention, is still the solution. We only have one hope. I mean, in the biggest sense of all of this that we deal with in our world, there's only one hope. And it's the risen Christ because he is God's word to us on the most important issues of life. I want to take you to three verses in the Bible, the New Testament, the book of Acts. And these are the first three verses of Acts chapter 1. And then I want to break that down for a moment to talk about this idea of Jesus being the solution. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, Theophilus was a human being that he was writing this letter to. He was written by Luke, a physician. In my, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions to, through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So the backstory is Theophilus was a seeker. He lived in the Middle East in the year, oh, probably, he's probably alive in 8050, 8060, 
or so. He'd heard the rumors that virtually everyone else in the Middle East had heard by that point about a man who had been crucified by the Romans, buried in a tomb, and rose from the dead. And so he knew this physician, Luke, had inside information because he had been in close association with people like Mary, the mother of Jesus, and uh, his close disciples, Peter and John, and, and then Paul later on in, in, in the cycle of disciples. And so he said, Theophilus says, hey, what can you tell me about Jesus? What can you give me? He wanted to know, how could a, a Jewish man receive the death penalty, be crucified, and everybody back then knew what crucifixion was. It was a horrible, brutal way to die. And then somehow be raised from the dead. How do you account for that? And, and, and then with that, he's, th- he's saying, why? I mean, why did Jesus do this? I mean, did he want to create a political pow- a counterculture against Rome? Did he, was, he, was it his own version of a Lives Matter movement in that day? Was it a social movement? Was it that he wants us to storm the halls of government? I mean, wh- what is it that Jesus was trying to do in this? And so in two books, he answered the question. The first book is Luke, the Gospel of Luke in your Bible. The second book is Acts, the one that I just read from. In response to his questions, Luke tells the story that he got from all of these people who saw the whole thing happen. Now, at first, by the way, these sources were considered nobodies. I mean, they didn't have any any kind of official education. They certainly weren't religious religious Pharisees. They didn't have that kind of education. Whatever they knew about God, they learned in the three years they followed Jesus around. They They were called by others ordinary people. And yet, in Acts chapter 17, it says that they turned the world upside down. Within 200 years the Christian movement had been, become so influential in the Roman Empire that it basically took it over. And even today, something like two billion people around the world will somehow come together to worship Jesus Christ. So how did it get to this point? There's only one thing that can account for any of that, and that is a Jesus raised from the dead. That's the only thing that explains it. But Theophilus wanted to know, and, and he, I think the world today is very much in the same position. I mean, you are here, and you're not playing golf, or you're not hiding candy, or you're not carving a ham somewhere, or you're not planning a march, or doing any of a thousand other things that you could do that would be good things to do. My contention is you can't know the why until you know the who. To me, that's what it's all about. Jesus happened. Jesus happened. And because Jesus happened, the church exists, and Christianity is a real thing. And you probably wouldn't be here today except that you have some curiosity or, in, to understand that. Maybe you've had some chaos in your life and some trouble, and you're, you're like, I've tried everything else. I guess I'm going to try this Jesus thing. Maybe you're looking for something to fill some lonely hole in your life that's been you know, that's, that somehow has taken over your life. Maybe you, maybe you have some financial challenges and you've thought, well, the last stimulus didn't really break that down, so I'm going to have... Maybe your marriage is really, really being stretched. 
possibly you're under some form of oppressive addiction and you're like, how am I going to break this? Nothing else has worked. Maybe you've tried all kinds of things to, to bring happiness and contentment in your life and in the end, you still find yourself asking the same questions. Maybe after a year of not knowing because of the fear that has been thrust on us because of the viral social upheaval, because of the politics that have confused most of us. Maybe you are the 2021 version of Theophilus. You just want to know. And to be clear, I'm not to tell you, here to tell you what I think about Jesus or the Bible or about the church or about Christianity. I'm here to tell you what I know. And here's what I know. This is it. Christ died. He was buried. He was raised. And he's coming back. That's what I know. Another of Jesus' followers stated in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. Here's what we know. Here's what we know. Jesus. Jesus, God who came. Jesus who came to, to bring hope, to bring the word of salvation. And Luke tells Theophilus, I wrote about him in Luke, and now I'm going to tell you what he did after Luke, after, you know, after, he, after he was raised from the dead. And I'm going to tell you what happened in the next oh, few decades. Here's what it is. And by the way, over the next few weeks, we're going to go further into this book of Acts. And if you're curious, we'd love to have you come back and explore what happened after the resurrection. Because it's pertinent too. But back to why we're here today. Why, why are we in such a mess in this world today? My simple contention is because people have forgotten about Jesus. They've forgotten why he came. I blame Christians for this because we've kind of lost the, the message somewhere in this, I believe. I'm saying this in the big sense. You know, we've skipped right past the Jesus who saved us and then we started going to politics or we started going to power grabbing or we went into these movements that then started to leave Jesus out of it. And I think that's the mistake. If you want to know what Christianity is, you got to start by knowing who Jesus is. Jesus, God's eternal person who entered into the world, who lived without sinning, who died in our place to absolve us from our sin, and whom God raised from the dead and whom he will send back to make it all better when he's ready to. So if you're here looking for a way to understand yourself, in light of Christ, you can do that. You're in the right place. If you're here because you have concerns or fears that aren't being answered by the solutions of the world, I would say to you, you're in the right place because you're going to find Jesus here. If you're here because you know there's a God, but you don't know much about God and you want to know more, you're in the right place. If you're here because your life has messed you over and you've messed life over and you need a new start, you're in the right place. If you're here because you're looking for answers to life's greatest problems, the solutions are found here. And I will confidently say to you, you're in the right place because you will find Jesus here. Now, on the other hand, 
If you're here and you want to validate yourself to keep yourself on the pedestal of your own worship, you're going to struggle. You're going to keep struggling. And if you're simply looking for someone to make you feel good about the not-so-good stuff in your life and what it's producing, the struggle bus is going to leave in about a half hour, and you're going to jump right back on it. Because Easter and the gospel isn't about you, and it's not about me, and it's not really even about us as much as it's about him, what he did, what he taught, what he wants to do for you. It's about him. We're centered on Jesus. Now, because of that, we have a story to tell. Jesus told his first followers in Acts chapter 1-8, that same chapter, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He told this to about 100 people. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, the city of crucifixion. And then in Judea, which is like the surrounding county. And then in Samaria, which is the next little country over. And ultimately, into the ends of the earth. And I'm emphasizing this for a reason, because I think most people, when it comes to Jesus, we like to keep our Jesus close to us. Like, we're satisfied to just kind of say, well, I think I'll keep him to myself. As long as my kids get it, you know, maybe a few of my friends. You know, I can sleep at night if my people have Jesus, but I'm not going to worry about anybody else. Or maybe they're a little less selfish than that, and they'll say, well, I'm going to do a good job in my community. You know, we want our community to be the best it can be, you know. Let's make GI, let's make Broken Bow better. Or maybe we'll be a little less self-focused. Our nation's going to, to hell in a handbasket. We better tell them, or they might come and change us. They might take us over. I was visiting with someone this week who invited a friend here for this weekend, and, and, and she just said, I'd just love it if you could come with me. And she told her friend about, you know, what she gets out of church and how great our kids' programming is and stuff. And the person said, well, we can't come to your church. And she said, well, how come? And she goes, because we're not members. I thought, what? <laughs> like, is that a thing? I, I was shocked by that. How could anyone think that even be, before they come here, they got to be a member of here? Like, to me, that's a massive failure on our part. Because that's not what we're about. Jesus didn't cap the love of God with a person or a clan or a community or a country. He said home. He said neighborhood, state, world. And that's because Jesus intends to change every life on the planet. He intends to save every person who's ever lived. So why do we tell this story and why don't we stop? Because of one fact, and it's a harsh word, but I'm going to say it. Death. Every person will face death. And only Jesus has come up with a solution on how that will end well for any of us. That's a fact. A few hours ago, I prayed with a man who may be close, I don't know, may be close to his death. And believe me, the only thing on his mind and his spouse's wife, his spouse's mind, was the fact that there's a Jesus. That was it. I was thinking about this in context with what happened in the world over the last year with COVID. According to the estimates, you know, they're, they're broad, but something like 2.7 million people have died because of COVID-19 in the last year or so, something like that. The world's done what the world does when something like this happens. We work, we work diligently to try to stop it. We, 
You know, we want to extend life on earth. It's, it's just the way we're made. The world has placed a great deal of effort and resources to, to eradicate the virus to save lives. The church has joined the world in that cause because we have a reason too, beyond just that we want people to be alive. We want them to have time to find Jesus. But all, you know, all the things that happen in the world that threaten lives through racism and violence and, and all the things that happen that shorten lifespans, the matter of fact is there's no other entity on earth that has more hope to bring than Jesus does. And the most important thing we can do is bring Jesus to the world. So when it comes to why this church is here and for that matter why we are here, it's because... He has the answer. He has defeated death. Jesus, a Jewish man, born in poverty, born in violence. His enemies tried to murder him as a small child. He grew up a carpenter, a very humble profession. At the age of 30, he was baptized. And then he began a three-year death march to the cross that he chose for himself. He died in utter weakness and was buried in a borrowed tomb. That was on Friday. On the following Sunday, he walked out of that tomb, and for 40 days he gave undeniable proof that he lived. And then he told them, you tell them that. You be my witnesses. You tell that story. Start in the city that they killed me in. Then move out and don't stop until the whole world knows. This is a broken world. It's a sick place. It is sick with hatred. It is divided by race, ethnicity, national borders. It's sick with pollution. It's sick with political shenanigans and crime and immorality and economic injustice and abuse of humans and addiction. It's broken. And there's a person. There's a person that wants to change that. And it's Jesus. Think about this. When Jesus died on the Roman cross, he'd only been in the public light for three years. He had no funding, didn't even have a home, it says. No proper education, no writings, so to speak, no, no political packs or organizations to back him up. He didn't even have an army, even though he was leading a nation. He came to defeat an enemy that no one acknowledged. His weapons are love and grace. Well, against a lot of the enemies of the world, those are hard to come by. His strategy was self-destruction. He was abandoned by most everyone. He died with criminals. And he was, it was the self-righteous people who put him on the cross who also said they could charge him of no crime. On daybreak the following Sunday, the greatest victory the world's ever seen was won. Nothing comes close to it. That is why we're here today. Now, I know we hear the same old promises, more and better government, a new stimulus, better health measures, self-improvement, better schools, more empowerment. Those are all good in their own context because they help us in some way. But friend, you may be dead in the morning. And you will face your creator. And you will need to explain yourself. And I'm just here to tell you, this is my perspective based on what I know about him. There's going to be one word that's going to matter in that scenario. The word is a name. It's a person. The person is Jesus. 
That is what Christianity, that's what churches are about. Beginning right here and going out there until everybody hears it's the name Jesus. It's about what he did, what he, who he is, what he wants to accomplish in your life. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says this, Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. He faced all the forces of darkness and took upon himself the endless mountain of all of our sins piled up on him from every person who ever walked on the earth from the time it started until now, until he returns. His name is Jesus. And he's still why we're here today. And he is the answer to this world. There's no question in my mind. The message of Jesus is not to improve the world. The message will not just, you know, alter the, the strata. And it's not to excuse or explain away or deny what's happening here. It's to show us there is a victory. A victory that's been won already and that we need to remind people of. I'm glad you're here today to hear about that. In just a minute, we're going to offer the Lord's Supper to Christians. As you walked in today, you might have picked up uh, a piece of bread and, and a cup that has, uh, has grape juice in it. At Third City, the only stipulation that we ask you to follow as you commune is that you're a person who's trusted personally in Jesus Christ for your salvation. And so, you know, your children, if they've not personally received Christ, we would suggest that you have them observe this but not partake in it. It's important. It's important that we understand what we're doing here. Uh, scripture talks about this. Now, you don't have to be perfect to commune. As a matter of fact, you're not. Don't even try. I mean, don't, don't try, but you're not going to make it. You don't have to be sinless. You don't have to have given money to this church or even be a member of this church. But you do need to belong to Christ. And the reason we do this is to reflect on who he is and what he's done for us and that he wants to raise us. Now, on the other hand, the reality is that the longer we're Christians and the more good deeds a person performs, we can start getting the false notion that somehow I deserve what Jesus did for me, that I'm somehow worthy of this magnificent grace that he's lavished on me. That's why we commune here too, because we need to be reminded regularly of the price that God paid to purchase our freedom from sin. And the fact is, the reason why, because we need grace and mercy. If you would pray with me. Lord Jesus, we have come again to allow you to check our hearts and our attitudes of self-righteousness and pride, stubbornness. We enter into this act of worship that you prescribe, this physical prayer relaying gratitude to you for rescuing us from a life of death and a future of despair. We come so that you can search our hearts and in this moment we set aside judgment. No matter how terrible someone's actions have been toward us or someone we love, there is no one that you can't save. And if I have someone in my heart like that in mind, I will forgive them at this moment. I will clear the air with you.
in this moment we remember what you did, what we could never do in a million years to, to save ourselves, and really something we don't deserve. We again let the bread and the cup remind us of the price of love unlimited, the price you paid. And we celebrate Jesus. Amen. We're going to commune together, so if you have your bread next to you, you can take it. Scripture talks about how this is representative, emblematic. It's it's, it's a, a symbol of his body that was broken for us on Good Friday 2,000 plus years ago. Take the bread, eat it. This is my body broken for you, he said. And then this cup is a reminder of the blood that he shed. He calls it the blood of the new covenant, a new promise that he was about to forge on the cross when he bled for us. It reminds us of the price he paid. You know, it's one of the great, uh, one of the great turnarounds in history that he went into that grave, buried, and was, was raised from the dead. And then now he says to us, his followers, I want you to go into a grave too, only it's a grave of water. I want you to come back out alive. I want to raise you. Next week, we're going to do something here that is one of the highlights of our year, quite frankly. We're going to offer a morning of baptisms. And he wants to connect you with him. That's what, this is like, like baptism to me is like a physical prayer. It's when a person says, here I am, God, and where God says, and here I am. I'm here for you. It's a prayer that I say to God that physically appeals to God for the cleansing of my soul. My past all put behind me, everything that's ever happened put behind me so that there's nothing keeping me from spending my eternity with him. Baptism is a time and place where he personally offers forgiveness to you. And at the same time, he offers grace. And he wants to mend you and make you new, a rebirth. And so if you're ready for that new start, if you're ready to put your past behind you and you want to enter into the eternity of God's mercy and grace, I would just challenge you to come next week and be baptized. If you want to know more about it, you can go on our, our, our website. You can go to our app and it explains some things. You can also just stop at the hub before you leave today and talk to them or just call us this week. Whatever it takes for you to take that next step next week, take the step. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org, call us at 308-384-5038, or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.